I'm not pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the Drive to Work at Home Edition. So today I have Scott Larrabee with me, and we are going to talk about the distant pa- the distant past of magic. Um, I want to tell a story of the first place that I ever felt was like a a, a magic gathering. Uh, what we we called the Costa Mesa Women's Center. So. Uh, Scott, you and many others were responsible for the making of this. So, um, I want to go back. So what, when, when did Costa Mesa start? When, when did it like, do you remember like what month and uh, year? It was, it had to be 95, 94 or 95. When did Legends come out? Legends came out the summer of 94. Okay. So it was around that time. Okay. Because I found out about it. Because I went up to L.A. to go to a magic thing at the uh, hotel by the LAX airport, yes. which is uh, actually where I first met you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, so, so, real quickly, the little we're going to talk about L.A., so I wanted to just give the audience, yeah. most of which don't live in L.A. Um, right. Back in the day, so we're talking back in, you know, 94, um, the only real gaming things that happened was there were three gaming conventions that happened in the hotel by the airport. And they were, it was like four ti- three times a year every four months. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which was late in the summer, and I, like OrcCon or something. Um, yeah. And that is the event I went to where for the very first time I got my hands on Magic. I, I had heard of it. I had seen it. But the first chance I had to buy it was at, at I'll call it OrcCon. They, they, right. they each had their own names. But... Um, and I think, did you and I meet at one of those conventions? No. Uh, okay. A bunch of people got together and did something at that same location. Okay. But it was a different group of people. It was uh, Jennifer Schleckburn, if you remember her. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. it was Jim Murphy, one of yeah. the guys who started the South Coast Game Association, and a bunch yeah. of people. And they just said, we're going to have a day of magic. They had a they had a magic tournament. And they had, they had uh, you know, people, dealers selling cards and things like that. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, and I found out about it because my brother started talking to you on uh, IRC. Yeah. <laughs> so he said, hey, there's this thing coming up this weekend. We should go. And I said, sure. And we got there and my brother ran off to find you. And then he came back and he said, here, this is Mark. You should meet Mark. And I said, hi, Mark. Nice to meet you. And you said, come meet my friend Henry, which was Henry Stern. <laughs> so like the two people that I have known the longest in magic, other than my brother, Brian, are Mark and yeah. Henry Stern, who... <laughs> Uh, both lived in the LA area and were just magic folk, <laughs> um, but we both went on to work at R and D uh, at Wizards of the Coast, and I followed a few years later. So, um, so at that show, there were mm-hmm. flyers going around that said Costa Mesa Women's Club Weekly Magic Tournament. You know, there's going to be a constructed tournament because there were no formats then, so it was just constructed. And then there was a sealed deck tournament, and I remember the hilarious part about the sealed deck tournament. It was it said it was fifteen dollars. You keep the cards. <laughs> it's just like you had to convince people to play in it because, oh no, you got to keep the cards. So yeah, I, real quick, I just want to explain something about limited and um, yes. So when R and D first made Magic, they experimented behind the scenes and were doing things like limited. But the idea of playing limited, like I remember at ninety five, uh, the World Championships in nineteen ninety five, or sorry. Uh, I think it was U.S. Nationals in 1995, the one that um, Justice beat Henry in the in the finals. Yeah. Um, they introduced Limited for the first time, and there was like a three-hour meeting because everyone was up in arms. How dare we we do sealed play or something? Because draft, draft wasn't even a thing yet. That would come later. No. 
Um, no. But in the early days, like, there was constructed, and the idea of playing Seal just wasn't a thing that most people did. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. And also, in general, I should explain, in L.A., while there were individual events, like we are talking about, like conventions and things, there was no weekly place to play, which was sho- no. shocking to me, right? No. I mean, it's a major city, and I was a Magic player, and I was ready to play Magic, and there was nothing. Um so Costa Mesa is like 45 minutes south of, of Los Angeles. Yes. So how, any idea how it ended, what, what is your memory? Do you know how it ended up there? Uh, it ended up there because Jim Murphy, who was one of the guys that ran that con, and three other people, uh, I can't remember all their names, but one of them's name is Chuck. <laughs> one of them was Kyle Schubel, um, who I still see some front time. He's working at Sony now. Uh, I run into him every once in a while at some show. Um, got together and decided to run this tournament on a weekly basis. They had the same. So the real problem was is that everybody used to go to Chuck's house. Mm-hmm. So a few people he'd invite people over to play Magic, and they'd bring friends. And next thing you knew, there were thirty people there every Saturday, and they're like, uh, "Maybe we can do this and make money." <laughs> so they did. They uh, they went out and they found a location, which is this one hundred plus year old building in you know old town costa mesa california which is in orange county near it's 15 minutes from disneyland to kind of give people a little bit of uh Mm -hmm. geography and kind of say where it is and they found this place that was never you know that was a a, uh just basically like a kiwanis club for women uh in costa mesa and they they used the building once a month because the the club owned the building and it was never used they rented it out on sundays to a church but on saturdays it was never being used so they said we would like to come in and use it every saturday and they're like great <laughs> the rent was insanely cheap it had its own tables and chairs you didn't have to bring in anything and it had a kitchen so they could bring in pizza <laughs> and serve food and sell sodas and um it ran that that's how it started yeah um i went to the first one and continuously went um to that show. I mean, it happened every week. And then uh, what happened there, just for a little bit of my story, is eventually those guys opened up a retail location called the South Coast Game Association in Costa Mesa, um, which then I started going to. And uh, they had a few of the original guys that didn't, they didn't want to keep doing this. They kind of, they'd sickened to magic. They wanted to move on. So they were looking for other people to kind of buy into the business. So my brother and I did, and then we became store owners. And then eventually Pro Tour came along, we ran, you know, we ran qualifiers, and then uh, eventually I went to work for Wizards. That's, you know, that's 1995 to 1998, right there. But the women's club tournament, it was great. It was, I mean, you're not kidding. It was the only thing to go to. People drove weekly from San from Santa Barbara. That's like an hour and a half. Yeah. They drove weekly from San Diego. We had not every week, but occasionally once a month, we had two carloads that drove in from Phoenix. Yeah. Arizona to go because there was nowhere else to play. You played with, you know, if you had a friend, you played in their house or you invited people over or you came to this thing because there were stores that sold magic, but there were very few game stores and none of them had anything about, what do you mean you want to come in here and play? <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, none was, of that existed. Yeah. The other thing that I guess it's important to understand for some context here is mm-hmm. that one of the things that Wizards has spent a lot of time doing is like convincing local game stores that allowing play in your store was beneficial for the store. Mm-hmm. And that that just wasn't a thing. I mean, you know, um, I can remember one store I used to go to. So it wasn't zero stores, but it, yes. you know, and 
the thing that I don't know, the thing that really the reason I wanted to sort of bring this up as a topic today is I love gathering bits of magic history mm-hmm. and is this really organic thing that kind of happened where it just everyone decided this was where we wanted to be and like you know if you look at sort of early Los Angeles and all like the pro players and people that came out of Los Angeles like they were all there that you yes, know that's how I everybody. I met all of them yeah and yes, same yeah <laughs> yeah. Many, many of us, many of us are still friends to this day. We yeah. still talk. Um, and some of them went on to become professional magic players and become Hall of Famers. Yeah. Uh, Alan Comer was one of the San Diego players who drove up every week. And Alan went on to uh, be voted into the magic, to the to the Pro Tour Hall of Fame. Uh, but it was a great weekly tournament. Like I said, it started off with just a constructed and a, and a, and a sealed deck. Um, there was like a fi- there was like an entry fee to get in the door, mm-hmm. and that got you the constructed event for free. Yeah. And then they the limited event cost fifteen bucks, and the first limited events were revised starters with two revised boosters because that's what was out at the time. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, we had a lot of uh, you know we had a lot of people selling cards, and it was uh, it was just a cool thing. And then we had food, and it was I mean the the hall was the the room it's just one big basically empty auditorium hall that multi-use that could be doing a lot of things um and we would get at its height we were getting 200 to 220 people a week uh funny thing in la if it rained that weekend we were turning people away (laughs) (laughs) if it was the sun was out we wouldn't get that many yeah uh one of the little things about la is that uh you know the rain drove them to go what are we going to do all day on a saturday i know let's go down and play magic all day it was, so it was when, fun when, when did it open up because it opened up like in the afternoon uh it opened up saturday at how we changed the time we changed the times over the years yeah. early on i can't remember like 10 or 11 mm-hmm. and it would go kind of late um it would basically go until whoever was running it that week wanted to go home yeah uh, which go- was not me initially as soon as i bought into the south coast game association yeah. i took over running the tournament mm-hmm. and i made a lot of changes <laughs> one thing is i got everything sanctioned and we had you know we, we put some rules in place and uh made it a little more little more official um and but we you know we'd go and we'd you know people would play in the tournament till they dropped and then everybody would just sit around and play and talk and then we'd, we'd finish it up, and then, you know, I'd, I, you know, I'd lock the doors, and a bunch of us, we'd go to Denny's, and then we'd keep, we'd oh, yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah. Like, we just kept going. I remember the late <laughs> Denny trips. I remember that. Yes. Um, okay, so one of my favorite things that happened in this event is mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of inventive format building. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to talk about Grandmaster, because this, this was, um, <laughs> at the time, my absolute favorite format. Um, and usually, I forget when Grandmaster started, but like I would call you on the phone, like, save me a slot, I want to play Grandmaster. I was just going to say, I'll give you a story about Mark and Grandmaster. <laughs> he used to call me on the pay, the, the place only had a pay phone. So Mark would call me on the pay phone there. Somebody would answer and go, Scott, it's Mark. And I'd go over and he's like, I'm on my way. Make sure you save me a slot in the Grandmaster. Don't start till I get there. Because you needed eight to do it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so for people that don't know, the, 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 the Grandmaster format, the way it worked mm-hmm. is... You would get a starter deck, so I guess I should explain that. So back yeah. in the day, uh, when Magic first started, a starter deck had 60 cards in it. I originally had two rares, a later would have three rares. Uh, and the idea was, it was a mix of cards and land. Um, it wasn't super playable out of the box, um, but the way it would work is you would get you would get a one starter deck, so 60 cards, uh, I think you could add in some amount of basic land. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you had a you made a forty card deck, I believe, the first right. round. 
right? Right. Uh, and then you would play somebody. Usually there were eight people in it. Sometimes, if we were lucky, it'd be like 16 or yeah, 32 yeah. or whatever. But usually there's mm-hmm. eight. Uh, and the way it works is you played somebody, and then the winner got the cards of the person who lost. Yes. Uh, and then, and then you then, rebuilt your deck. Right. And then you played the next round. And then yes. second round, I think, was six. I think it was 60 cards from the second round on. Because yeah. um, you had enough cards. And then you right, you would redo it for, with all the cards you won, and you would build a new deck, and then you would keep doing that for as many rounds as there were. Right. Um, normally, it was uh, three rounds because it was eight people. But right. uh, if and we got more, it could be more rounds. Right. And your prize for winning is you got all eight decks. <laughs> yeah, you got all eight decks, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and it's funny, it's just for a little history is, so Henry and I, uh, the mini master f- format was Henry and I riffing off of that using a single booster. <laughs> I believe uh, it. And I so that, that's it. where the mini master format came from. And why yeah. it's called mini master, by the way, I was like, why is it called mini? Because now a lot of people call it pack wars and stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. the original name was mini master because it was a mini version of grandmaster. That's why it was called right. mini after. Right. So. No, that was fun. We ran those uh, with the, with the revised starter decks. Uh, and then for a while there, we couldn't run them uh, because we, could, we couldn't get product. Yeah. So uh, then when Ice Age came out, we ran Ice Age because Ice Age had starter decks. It was the first like non-base set that had full decks, yes. if I remember correctly. And so, yeah, I, we ran Ice Age for, God, we ran Ice Age decks for years because then Ice Age, after Ice Age was mm-hmm. Alliances and then home, you know, and then uh, was Alliances Mar- then Mar- Homelands, Mar- I guess. Mar- 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 right, yeah, so not until Mirage yeah. uh, did we get anything, any new decks. So we ran, yeah, Ice Age for like a year. Uh, and then we did. And then I think about the time you left to go work at Wizards. Because mm-hmm. I remember you came down one week and you got, I've been hired, I'm out of here. Yeah, and, so uh, 95, I left in October 95, right. Yeah. Uh, it kind of fell off after that. I think yeah. you were you were really the driving force to get that thing going. Because I don't <laughs> recall us ever doing it with Mirage. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think I... Uh, we had to have eight people, so I would make sure there were eight right. people. And so, right. Um, right. I, I also, I mean, I, I knew everybody. So, like, a, a part of me coming right. in was like drumming up enough people so I could play. <laughs> right. Mark, Mark could convince everybody. We, we, we always ended up with eight. <laughs> um, yeah, the interesting. So, here's a little interesting uh, behind the scenes story. So, um, when I first basically, Wizards said they'd be willing to hire me. Uh, and so I came back to LA to sort of go, oh, do, do I want to work at Wizards? It wasn't my plan. Right. You know, I was going to be a. I was a television writer. That wasn't my mm-hmm. master plan. So I remember uh, I went and talked to my friends about, is it a good idea? Should I go work for Wizards? So one of my favorite stories is I come to sat- the, the, the Saturday Costa Mesa. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, I gather a bunch of people around. So I ask this question. And like when I had asked my friends that weren't Magic players, they're like, I don't know. You know, you really <laughs> want to do this writing thing. This seems like you're going off in a different thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, my non-Magic friends were sort of cautious about it. But I asked them at thing, and like everybody to a T was like, absolutely, of course you have to do this. No, <laughs> yes. of course you have to do this. And so they were very Any, supportive of me going to work for Wizards. Anybody would have done it, I think. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I know who you were talking, the group you were talking yeah. to. And there were some professionals in that group. Yeah. Like Mario, for yeah. instance. Like, I think Mario would have dropped what he was doing and he would have gone and designed magic cards. Like, it was, uh, like everybody talked about it. Once you got hired, then yeah. everybody was like, oh, you can get hired? <laughs> That's awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, that, it's interesting. So, um, one of the early LA teams was called Pacific Coast Legends. Correct. Um, at the, uh, in Atlanta. So, Atlanta was the pro tour where we played the pre-release of Barrage. Right. And there's a period of time we did side, we did side events at the pro tour. Yes. And that one had a team event, which I think was yes. the only side team event. We're like, like, you know, at the pro tour at least. 
Yes. Um, and PCL won that. So that that was uh yes. and that was Henry and Frank Gilson and Mario Robina and, and Marshallis. Preston Poulter, Preston, I think. Uh, maybe Preston Poulter. Yeah. Uh, I think he was in PCL after I left, but... Uh, okay. Um, but anyway, the... But anyway, the, and then the, there was... Um, there was a bunch of... L, I mean, other people don't know all the LA folk, but uh, it was really interesting. The, the the thing that I loved about that period of time was there was a lot... Like, tournaments now are very ingrained. The way that, like, there's a tournament structure and there's a calendar and you go to your local store and they can, every Friday night is Friday Night Magic and, you know, it's mm -hmm. very sort of spelled out. And this was the first time, at least in my Magic career, where the idea of the same thing on the same day, you know, mm -hmm. started to happen. Right. You knew what to expect. Like, you got, there's a nice, uh, everything was the Wild West back then. Like, you'd go to one tournament, like my tournament, and then, I remember, like, uh, there was a there was a game store up in Whittier, uh, which is just a little north of little north and uh, west of Costa Mesa, kind of mm -hmm. halfway between Orange County and LA. Yeah, uh, called I M Comics, mm -hmm. and uh, they they started running a Magic tournament on Friday nights. And I remember <laughs> the first couple of weeks they ran it, like everybody from like our group. Yeah, uh, we all you know we'd go up there and we'd yeah. play in the sealed deck, and it was totally unorganized. Like yeah. we sat down. We, we sat there with our sealed decks in front of us, a sealed deck tournament, and I swear we sat there an hour and a half before they told us to open them up. Like nobody knew what they were doing. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was bad. It did not last long, but that would happen. Like somebody would say, "Oh, well, Costa Mesa does it. How hard can it be?" And then, yeah. then they would try it, and it would kind of fall away, right? So yeah, the, um, the other thing is right, software. There is another interesting thing about sort of um, yes, like right now, if you want to uh, do a magic tournament, there's software to run the tournament, right? There's right, a lot, like. Like, I, I remember, for example, you pairing with uh, index cards. Index <laughs> cards. I absolutely did, because that's all we could do. Um, at the first Pro Tour I attended, which was the second Pro Tour, the one at the Queen Mary yeah. in 96, yeah. uh, Dan Cervelli had written Turn, which right. was a very, very, very early version of all the tournament software you see now. I mean, it did basic things. Like, you could put people in, and you could enter results, yeah. and it would do standings, and it would do pairings, and that was it. It wouldn't do much else beyond that. Yeah. Um, it didn't even report into Wizards. Like you had to take the results, was, and you still had to write. You still had to write everything down by hand. But that was reported. that was uh, amazing at the time, right? But I I, I judged that first Pro Tour. Yeah. Uh, that's how I got to know people at Wizards because I volunteered for that and went in and uh, and I remember I got there and they said, "Oh, we got we have software to run." I said, "Really? Where?" And I just went up to Dan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Scott. I run this event in Costa Mesa every week. He goes, "Yes, I'm well aware of you guys." I said. I want this software. He goes, well, we're, we're, we're finishing it up this weekend as we test it with the Pro Tour. They did everything on index cards on the side, right? Yeah. And then the minute it was done, I had somebody finally, was they sent it to me. And I'm like, yeah. great. And then I switched over, like, immediately. It was it made things so much better. So here's a little, yeah. for a little Pro Tour history for people. Yeah. Um, L.A., the L.A. crowd did very well in early Pro Tours. Yes. And one of the reasons for that was they were used to playing limited formats. Right. And it just wasn't something like limited formats weren't something most people did. Like I remember mm -hmm. one of my favorite things, uh, favorite stories is we were running. Um, they decided for ninety five nationals to do mm -hmm. um, some sort of limited thing. Yeah. And the European offices, like Wizards, said to the European offices, "We want to start running limited events. We think that's really good. We think it's a lot of fun." And Europe just refused to run events for us. They just would not do it. They're like, "Our yep. players will not play in limited events." Um, and at the, at the, at the boat, so the, the second ever pro tour was the very first yeah. time we ever did 
I'll, I'll, you know, the first limited pro tour because yeah. New York was constructed, but right. uh, L.A. was limited. And um, the, the, the cut- second worst limited format of all time, by the way. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, tell people what the limited was today. It was fourth edition Homeland. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. There was only one that was worse, and that was fifth edition Visions. Yeah. <laughs> so, so okay, so my story is... Um, we had said to the European office, look, we're doing a pro tour. We want you guys to, to, to you know, you and your players should start playing. And they just refused to do it. They were not running events. Yep. So there was a cut today, too, to the top 64. And the top 64 was 61 North Americans, two Japanese, <laughs> and one European player. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and after that, like, I think that was the, the you know, the, the European office said, okay, we prob- probably we should start running these Maybe things. Maybe we should do this, yes. Um but uh, but I did so. Uh, I did another podcast where I talked about the very first pre-release, the Ice Age pre-release. Mm. Um, that yes, I, I played in it because I was reporting on. It. They wanted me to play in it. But uh, yep. I went, I went, I went undefeated. And one of the reasons I attribute to it was that I've been playing limited every week at Costa Mesa. So like, right. I I understood how to play sealed, which a lot of people had no idea. I mean, the Costa the Costa Mesa crowd did really well at the first Pro Tour too. I think we put. I know. I probably know. Preston made the top eight. I think uh, we Preston made two. top eight. Justice, which is sort of not, was an honorary. Yeah, um, he, was, he was kind of. He became uh, more affiliated later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he lived in Utah, yeah. but he he came down right. a lot. He played the right. regionals because he was like the only player in Utah, basically. Yes, yes, so. um, and at at but at that second pro tour, uh, we had a, there was a juniors division too, and I yeah. think we put three in the top eight of the masters and i know zila made the top eight because zila made the top eight of everything yeah jason zila uh and a bunch he, he's of other a young kids. kid back then so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of other juniors uh we made it we did, we did a very good showing at uh at that uh at that pro tour i know scott johns made the top eight yeah yeah scott lived up in davis california at the time but he would come down a lot yeah <laughs> Uh, so he he was included, and uh, I I can't remember. I'm having trouble. Mark Van House was a guy who was at Costa Mesa every week. He made the top eight. He was this guy that wasn't really part of the crowd that you and I talked to, yeah. but he was there every week. And yeah. then when he made it to the pro tour and actually made the top eight, we're all like, oh, I guess he's good. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah were, uh, the, so the other thing I, I should point about we're, we're Scott and I are from L.A., so we're telling you the L.A. story, but like. <laughs> This story, you know, I, I know, for example, like uh, I had Brian Weissman on recently and, you know, he lived up in San Francisco and they had they mm-hmm. had their own thing. And, you know, it was their yep. own thing they were playing and everyone was playing the deck and whatever, you know. Yep. Um, and you go to New York, like they're uh, yeah, neutral. It eventually became neutral ground. But um, neutral ground, right. Brian David yeah. Marshall and, and his partners mm-hmm. were like running uh, Grey Matter events. Grey Matter, think. right. Yeah. You know, so like uh, I know I know um, Rob uh, in Boston was running. So like so. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mostly what happened in the early days was there wasn't yet a large thing yet. Like Wizards was doing, like Wizards started sanctioning in, like the DCI started in January of 94. Yeah. Um, and then sanctioning like slowly, you know, people were slowly starting to sanction. They did, they did sanctioning when they, when they finally went to ELO rating, they reset everything and started over. Yeah. And that was in November of 95. Yes. Yes. So. That's after I after I was at Wizards, uh, correct. And the reason we, <laughs> the reason we did that was we were gearing up for the Pro Tour, 
and we wanted right. and to we, sort of revamp for the Pro Tour. That, that's we wanted why that to invite people based on ratings, yeah. and the ratings they had before that were additive. So just yeah. the more you played, the higher right. your score was. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then we moved to an Elo ratings. So Correct. Elo is based on yeah. I guess what they do in chess. So chess, um, yes. right? It's it, it's based about how you do versus other people, and so mm-hmm. if you beat someone mm-hmm. who's better than you, you go up more. But if you mm-hmm. beat someone that is lower than you, you go up less. So like it's right. It, it's measured how well you do against different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing I really imagine that I think it's really important is. The internet was much, much younger. I mean, the Usenet existed, but mm-hmm. what people think of as the modern day internet was not there yet. Mm-hmm. And that, and Wizards had made an interesting choice. This was something Richard did, where they really withheld information. They did not release deck lists. Like, there was no... So, there were really pockets. Like, each sort of little area, each city had its own community and its own metagame, and there wasn't, like, a universal metal game. It, it didn't happen yet. Nope. Um and so I know, for no. example, like we would go up to play a, in a San Francisco event, and just it was a completely different metagame. We didn't know it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that is interesting as you look at early Magic. That one of the things um, that I think if you look at Magic now, that there's a a huge Magic community. There's a huge tournament structure. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that you can take for granted that are you know in you know Wizards and Scott specifically you know like a lot of people spent many 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 years getting this up and running to have and I'm not even talking the the big premier tournaments but just no. having tournaments in your local game store so that yes. every week you know something and it feeds into things and you know No there were no, there were no rules there were no previews yeah um nothing I mean Usenet was a big thing and for at least for me I Usenet and IRC were the thing yeah. like there was a really early international magic community, but it yeah. was all on IRC. And it yes. was like 200 people and they were <laughs> all over the world. But like, and it was great because then as, as things began to grow and we started to go to different tournaments, we get to meet all these people finally. And it was really neat. And um, some of them are still around. Many of them are gone. Um, yeah, another- that's how you... You found out about things because you'd go you'd go read rec.tradingcards.games.tradingcards.magic every day because yeah. you would find out something. That's how you found out anything. Everything was rife with rumor as well. I mean, 99% of it was was terrible lies or just rumor, unfounded rumors. But there were nuggets in there you would yeah, find yeah, out yeah, well, were true. But <laughs> when I started working yeah. in Wizards, one of the things I actually pretty quickly got them to institute is... I got them to start letting me write stuff in the duelist where I could like tease things that were coming out so that yep. would, I, I could give you actual information that wasn't happenstance that was like real like it, it, if we yep. said this in the magazine you know actually it's going to happen and so you still do that I mean you used to do here's ten things about the I know I do the teasers they're called the right, tomorrow the teaser teasers and, yeah I still do right them. and people um, would go. That's ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> Why would you ever do that? <laughs> then the card would come out and go, oh, I see what you did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the inspiration for that actually was Mirage, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so the, the story is when Magic first came out, uh, there was in, Force of Nature was in, in Alpha, right? It was an 8-8. Right. Yep. And then uh, Frexing Colossus was a 9-9. And then we made a 10-10. And then an 11-11. So we were in Mirage. I wanted to make a 12-12. Because this is part of the thing we do. And right. Bill said, he goes, eh, I don't know. That, that seems... He goes, look, if you can make a 12-12 that's interesting, I'll consider putting the set. But I don't want to do it just to do it. And so I made Frexian Dreadnought, which cost one mana for a 12-12 Trampler. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you had to sacrifice 12 power worth of creatures. It was the thing. Right. But uh, anyway, so Bill... It entertained Bill, so Bill put it in the set. So when I did the teaser, I was like... I, there's a 12 12 trampler for one mana. Mana. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that inspired me to do the teaser. So I thought that was yes. such a fun teaser. Yes.
So anyway, we're almost I, we're almost out of time here. So unbelievable. Any we, other? We, I just what I'm hoping for today is to give people a sense of one of the things about early magic is there's a lot of things that are just a given now. How the community works, how social media, mm-hmm. how the tournament structure, even just like we said the the actual infrastructure of software and right. a prize structure and you know all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is interesting to me to look back, to sort of look to the early days, you know. It, it is, because there wasn't, there weren't really, tur- there was no tournament rules. There was no nothing. So, like, we're going to run a tournament. How we do that? And the guys who ran the women's club before I took over did a, you know, a decent job. Like, it was so loose and everybody just, really, everybody just wanted to get together and play Magic. And the yeah. rules of the tournament weren't a big deal. Right. Once the Pro Tour was announced, then everything became, the stakes went up, right? Right. So, it was like everything had to be codified and you had to figure it all out. And so in the meantime, even before the pro tour, um, I know personally I had started investigating like, well, I've heard there's chess tournaments. What do they do? And so those were things where I figured out, you know, how to run, because we ran everything single Elim back then. There was no Swiss. We ran single Elim. And so like, how do you do single Elim when you don't have exactly eight or 16 or 32? Right. Like, Everybody else would just oh pair everybody up and we'll we'll fix it later right well then you get you get down to where you've got right, five right. people left who plays who and who gets the buy and yeah so I said well that's dumb like that's just <laughs> an advantage like the slow player just wins in this so let's so we had to do things like that and we had to figure out you know how do you how do you quickly get people paired up right yeah. so you don't you know, well, you didn't have software you could just hit a button and print out pairings yeah, like yeah. you had to you had to do everything in index cards so we would record scores that they came in and we'd stack them up by how many wins they had and yeah. then you take that stack and shuffle it up and you, yeah you know and you, but oh did you play but then, then back then you could play somebody infinite number of times we didn't right. have a way to prevent it without yeah. it being slow and these are things that tournament software took care of in, yeah. a, in, a, in a way that just made the tournament run a lot smoother and what it meant was we could run more tournaments Yes. Because the one tournament we ran was all we could handle <laughs> with the staff we had. And eventually it became a little more automated. And so you could have the same exact staff run two, three, four different tournaments. Yes. yes. Um, so that so that was a huge innovation. Um, draft coming on. Remember the first time I heard about draft, somebody explained it to me. And I went, oh, okay, yeah, we should try this. So we did. And I mean, at the very first draft, it was like 40 people. They weren't in pods of eight. It was just yeah. 40 people drafting. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember... Some clever people figured out really quick, hey, you can just draft all the rares and who cares if you win, <laughs> right? <laughs> I yeah. bought these boosters and I'm yeah. getting way more value. And yeah. so, well, you know, that happened. And then you had to you had to figure out how to fix that. And, uh, and I remember um, other cool things that happened at the women's club were occasionally wizards had an idea and they wanted to test it. Yeah. And uh, we were one of the locations I, they did in New York as well with Brian David Marshall at Gray Matter. And uh, so one of the things we tested, a couple things we tested, uh, we ran a, P, a pro tour qualifier that was all draft. Yeah. Because our players were like, wouldn't it be great if we ran an all draft pro tour? And I, I got a hold of Wizards and I said, what do you think? And they said, I don't know. Go ahead. Whatever. So we did it. It was like the worst attended <laughs> pro tour qualifier we had because it was really good for people who were really good that everybody yeah. else like I don't know how to draft why would I do that and then uh, Wizards actually uh, like paid us to uh, test uh, the Paris Mulligan yes, yes. Uh, before before it was introduced in Paris it was actually tested in Costa Mesa so and yeah. uh, I remember Henry Henry came down to help run the test yeah actually so I went to Boston uh, Rob did a test too, right, so I, Rob I went, I went to too, Boston right. so uh, right Right. Uh, Rob Doherty was at your move game. Right. He was testing it. So. And then, uh, you know, the the Pro Tour coming along led to the network of 
uh, tournament organizers that ran pre-releases and pro tour qualifiers and the state championships and grand prix trials and grand prix and all these things these all things came out of all the big cities had one thing that kind of everybody had coalesced around right yeah yeah. and so we were we were the natural who's going to run these things right well in seattle they had the the wizards game center and in oregon they had a guy and they had somebody in san francisco and somebody in la and they had somebody in it was funny they had somebody in reno but not vegas it was like the the, the cities were weird in some cases well because it naturally formed it wasn't you know right that's just where things were like there was no magic going on in vegas early on uh to any degree i mean all the people in vegas that uh that knew how to play magic uh, would make the four-hour drive to Costa Mesa every week. That's uh, how I met Matt Tayback, by the way, who was oh, yeah. working yeah. at Wizards to this day. He was just one of the Vegas guys that came to Costa Mesa because they didn't have anywhere to play. So, uh, yeah, we got we, you know met a lot of cool. It was it was great. It was a great time. Um, you know, you saw these are people that I think had Magic not come along, uh, people I never would have interacted with. Oh like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's- and. and and like I said, we are all we don't we don't all see each. I mean, some people I see every day at work, <laughs> but uh, most of them I don't see all that often anymore. But we keep right. track of each other, and occasionally we talk. And uh, you know, of those early guys, I still hear from our Chalice every once in a yeah. while. He gets a hold of me. Yeah, um, I hear from uh, Bryce Currents occasionally. Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, just the great you know, all these great people that just pop up every once in a while, and uh, you, you get to you get to have a talk like this. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> guys, great. that's mostly. <laughs> Uh, to wrap up here, the reason I wanted to do this today is just give you a little insight. Like one of the things about magic history, it's a lot to just give facts and you know numbers and something, but a big part of the history is the people and the relationships. And the, there was a really organic sense to early magic because there were no rules and there was, you know, it was very much people making it up as they went along. And uh, I've, I have really fond memories of Costa Mesa. That was lots and lots of fun. And if I wasn't at Costa Mesa, I don't think I wouldn't end up at Wizard. So I, I really think that uh, a lot of the magic skills I gained uh, came mm-hmm. from just playing magic every week with a bunch of people that were mm-hmm. like-minded. So I feel the same way. Like, I didn't... I I, I played, but I wasn't very good. I, I knew I was not a great magic player. I got into other aspects of it. Mm-hmm. I, I decided that, you know, what I wanted to do was run the tournaments. That was interesting to me. And the same thing. Like, had I not gone to Costa Mesa and engaged in those tournaments, I absolutely would not have the job I have today. Yeah. I would still be doing my... <laughs> financial analyst job at the University of California, Irvine. I would not be doing magic nowadays. And uh, it was fun. I, I mean, I love to tell people, what do you do for a living? And I tell them what I do. And they go, how'd you get into that? I'm like, made my hobby a career <laughs> is what I did. It's everybody's dream. So so thank you so much for being with us, Scott. It was real Absolutely. fun talking with you. Mm-hmm. But everybody else, I'm now at my desk. So we all know that means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.